Welcome to Son of Israel Talk. I am your host, Joshua Pearson, here today with my brother and today's co-host, Caleb Pearson. We are here to talk to you today about strategic budgeting for your next film project. This episode is brought to you by Top Sheeting. Through our payroll and production management automation, we focus on making sets run smoother and more efficiently, getting your crew paid faster and keeping everybody happier. Our goal is to make sets fun again. Hey, Caleb. So how's it going today? Hey, uh, it's going good. I'm uh, actually in Florida right now uh, visiting family, but uh, it's going really good. Nice, nice. Just came back from there myself, as you know. <laughs> All right. So quick question. Um, we're talking about strategic budgeting for film projects today, right? And I just want to ask you, first of all, how would you define strategic budgeting? Yeah, um, that, that's an interesting question. I, I think it's kind of a phrase that, you know, we kind of toss around. And uh, I don't know if I hear a lot of people talking about it, which kind of concerns me. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I think if you work at a major studio, a, a, you know, a large production house, uh, you, you, you don't have to think about it too much, you know? Um, because you have you have suits, you have, you know, the all these people working to figure out if a film's going to make money or not, and it's still a crapshoot, you know? Yeah. Um, but on the indie level, when you when you own your own IP, uh, I, I really think you have to think about how to strategically budget your film. Absolutely. You need to think about like, yeah, ex- exactly. You you need to be more aware of you know who your potential market is. You know, you have to know what the creative is in order to know that. So you have to analyze the creative and what is it similar to, what is it not. You have to you have to know you know how many people might this reach. You know. You got to be as honest as possible with that potential market as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have to know what methods of distribution you have. So, uh, say uh, you're going theater or iTunes or whatever. Um, just because you sold a thousand copies at twenty dollars doesn't mean you're getting twenty thousand dollars in profits. Uh, there's costs associated with all these things. So if you know the creative, you know the best places to distribute it, and you know the potential market that can reach, you can budget a film that makes sense. You can put money in the areas where it actually provides value, uh, and you can make a film you know that makes a profit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just like treating your uh, your project almost like you're doing an addition to your house. If you if you invest all your money into the garden per se, it doesn't actually add value to the property. But if you invest into, let's say, a closed porch that adds square footage, that's actually going to increase the value of your property. And budgeting that way with your film where you're thinking about, does this money actually add value or does it do nothing or does it take away value? Is uh, I think that's an important key on that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think, you know, it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting when when you're talking about budgeting for a film. I think the things that actually produce value, the things that actually like uh, <laughs> increase the chances of making a profit, aren't sexy. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> they aren't, you know, the bells and whistles that you really, you know, care about. I think some of them might be, you know, you know, sometimes getting a star name yeah. will carry the film. Um, that's not always the case, though. Uh, there's plenty of films that have plenty of star names that did not, uh, you know, make the profits that you'd assume they would. I think the things that typically make money are you know hitting a genre hard and uh going into that niche and focusing on you know is this a highly visual film 
Is this a character-driven film? Is this, you know, a film, if if it's a sci-fi film that's, you know, action-based, then put your money into the things that people are going to talk about. And beyond that, uh, you know, filmmakers never want to, indie filmmakers, they they don't think about um, putting money into advertising. Yeah. You know, even if you're going to a film festival, it's it's wise for you to advertise. You want to set the tone. You want to set an expectation. You want to get a buzz because you're more likely to sell your film to a distributor at you're you're more likely to sell your film to a distributor at that point. Yeah. So I I think the things that you know you know actually make money actually you know produce value in a film you know beyond you know a great story uh, that people want to talk about you know uh, aren't so sexy and it's not you know it, people really don't care if you shot on the Airy sixty five or the Ursa you know <laughs> the the uh, what is it the Ursa Mini Gen two you know yeah. people really don't care make make a film that makes money make sure it can be distributed on platforms because some of those cameras cannot distribute on other platforms mm-hmm. but you know make a film that makes money and tell a story that matters and people want to talk about and then get it in front of those people you were mentioning too just as far as hitting a genre hard like. I mean, we've discussed this before, but just to share with the listeners, like, are there genres that you would recommend over other genres, especially for, like, young filmmakers that uh, that are still kind of, you know, making a name for themselves and building the resume? Yeah, um, that's interesting. I, I kind of have a weird answer for this. I would say uh, probably not. <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, I think there's the obvious ones out there where people talk about like horror films and things like that. And I think the reason is, is because horror films induce emotion very easily. Um, you know, so it's something that sticks Mm -hmm. with you and something you talk about. I, you know, you'll talk about being scared. So it's really easy, uh, to invoke certain emotions, I would say, than others. It's, I think it's much easier to scare somebody than make somebody laugh. Hmm. Uh, it's much easier to scare somebody than make somebody, you know, cry. Yep. So... I, I don't I don't mean this in an insulting way at all. I think there's definitely an art form to that. I, I think, you know, there's definitely different levels of horror films out there. There's some that are phenomenal. But I would say is, honestly, you can pick really any genre. Yeah, an action film will be hard to keep on a budget and make it, you know, worthwhile, as well as a sci-fi. Yeah. But if you're clever, uh, if you focus in on your story and you find those remarkable pieces in there... Um, which probably won't be the visuals. If you're making a sci-fi, I think Primer is a great example of that. Primer was a sci-fi film, uh, mm-hmm. you know, done on almost nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you can really hit any genre. Just be clever. Think about it. Um, focus on a, a few key aspects instead of trying to make everything at, you know, top-notch level. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a strategic game. Like, at least from my personal experience and, and uh, from my opinion on that, personally, I would naturally lean into especially early on in my career into the horror or comedy because of the emotion and also because there's one thing that I feel that they do better than most dramas not to say like all dramas but most is they tend to be more rewatchable which means you get that audience more than once for example like you know there's certain dramas I loved I loved you know I love pay it forward like there's certain films like that I really enjoyed that were very dramatic, but the thing with them was is you don't want to watch it again or Hotel Rwanda. Like it's just it's a great story. It's awesome to watch once, but it's also very draining. Whereas a comedy or a horror or an action, I'd watch those over and over and over again because it's more energy giving, if you will. Yeah, I would say 
Yeah, I was just going to say that uh, I, I would say it's probably easier to make kind of a cult uh, kind of following film with one of those genres. Um, I would also say, you know, kind of mixing genres is a interesting aspect of that. You know, I would I would kind of look at some films that aren't necessarily straight up comedies. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of like Darjeeling Limited, for instance, like it's not a straight up comedy. Uh, it's kind of a mix of a drama and a comedy. Um I would say like maybe there is some aspects in there, you know, kind of encourage. I, I guess what I would say is I would encourage people to break the rules. Yeah. If you're doing a, you know, uh, low budget indie film, you know, break the break the rules of class. I guess you know, do a good job at it. Make you know, I I, I always bring up this phrase, you know, makes it making something remarkable just because, um, really, if people will talk about it, you've won. You know, <laughs> uh, I mean, sadly, but. You know, truthfully, the room is a great example of that. It's not a good film, yeah, <laughs> but it did something. It did something that people talked about. Um, and I'm not telling people to go and make you know a terrible film. What I'm telling them to do is, is, is figure out what people will talk about. Think about it. Really think about it. What What about your film stands out? Are you just making Die Hard again? Are you just making you know another Avengers? Or are you actually doing something that you know uh, hasn't been done that? you know, will invoke thought, will invoke conversation. Yeah. Uh, will also, when they see that in the trailer or in a article, will make them want to go see it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's the process. Sometimes it's the process of how you made the film. Um, I think we've seen that with like 1917, for instance. Like they did such a good job talking about those long takes and things like that, that I think it actually encouraged more people to go see the film. You know, it, sometimes it's the process, but, you know, figure out what that thing is. What, what are people going to talk about? Yeah, I I would agree on that. And like one film that I like to talk about, I know it hasn't gotten a huge following because again, I don't feel that they were strong on distribution, but I enjoyed the film is um, Exam, where the whole film is shot in one room and it's literally people sitting at desks taking an exam. Like, and, and yet there's so much suspense and so much drama that they put into that film that I love talking about it. Because they took a very challenging scenario, something that, you know, how do we make something that's completely unwatchable, watchable? How do we make it feel like you want to watch a group of people in a room taking their SATs? Right, right. And the fact that they managed to do that, whether you really like the film or not, is extremely impressive. And for me, it was like, that's something I like to talk about because I'm like, I just think it's cool that they they pulled that off. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Like earlier, I remember you mentioned something about the fact that, you know, unfortunately, like a lot of filmmakers aren't talking about strategic budgeting and right. like, and we were defining what that is. And uh, so like as a creative, do you still see it necessary or why do you see it necessary to be very mindful of your return on investment or ROI? Uh, in like the re- regards of like whether you're the creative or whether you're like the producer kind of a thing? Yeah, like. I mean, you know, you know, doing indie films, you wear a lot of hats. Sometimes you are the producer, writer, director, actor. Yeah. But like my, my question is like when you're making your project and you're being strategic with your budgeting, because like one thing I think of when I think of strategic budgeting is the fact that it's, you know, making the best product possible on the lowest budget possible for the highest ROI. Right. What which I was gonna say is 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 doesn't sound sexy uh, to a creative. Yeah. You know, I I think a lot of times when we talk about budget, um, I think it's a battle between creative and and uh, you know, kind of the admin more or less, the 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 executives more or less. Um, and and I I I don't think it should be. Um, you know, uh, 
you know, a good business plan allows art to be created. Yeah. You know? And without the art, you don't have the business plan around it. So they kind of have to work hand in hand. It has to be 50-50. Uh, there, there should be debates. There should be conversations about, you know, where where does the art win and where does the business win? And it should be about 50% of the time for both of them. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, they have to go hand in hand. It shouldn't be compromising the story. A lot of times people use business as a way to say, you can't say that because people will get offended. And it's just like, well... Uh, maybe if you're going on a low budget, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yep. <laughs> you know, uh, you can actually, you know, in this market, you can actually talk to smaller groups of people. You can, you can actually, you know, uh, uh, hit on topics that are micro and 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 and, and you know more niche and 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 in, in uh, nature. Um. So, but like as to why you know, as to why creatives need to kind of think about the return on investment is, you know, uh, it, I'll just give a you know kind of a big example, you know, uh, it's much easier for an actor or director or producer, writer, so on and so forth, uh, to get a job, uh, or get more work or, uh, distribute more films. If they say, Hey, I was a writer, director, actor on the Avengers mm-hmm. versus, you know, any of the failed fantastic four. Films. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like, and not that it will always kill their career to be on those other films, but it's much easier to get a job. And in some cases, it will kill their career if they have multiple failures in a row. Yep. I mean, we've seen actors completely disappear uh, who were big names in the 90s and early 2000s who you don't see them making films anymore. Yeah. Uh, because they had uh, two, three, four failures in a row. And how the, you know, how basically the studios and distributors looked at that and said, this person does not bring in an audience. Mm-hmm. So if this person doesn't bring in an audience, if this you know, writer, uh, director, uh, actor does not bring in an audience, um, why would we give them more budget just to make more failures? Yep, absolutely. And so it is extraordinarily important for everybody from top to bottom to be kind of on board with you know making the ROI work, making the return on their investment happen. You know, n- you know, and not be a failure because it really speaks volumes about the the uh, quality of work you create. You know, like I was saying earlier, the creative, you know, doesn't see the light of day without the business. Mm-hmm. And the business has nothing to distribute without the creative. They need to work together in this. They need to be partners. They can't always be in opposition. It's not, you know, they're not trying to take their cookie away. Yeah. They're trying to, to they're trying to make more of them. <laughs> yep. No, I agree on that. Like, I mean, the way I've always felt about it personally is you know if you're the businessman you need the creative to draw on an audience otherwise your investment's being thrown away cuz who wants to watch a boring film but also as a creative you need to be mindful of the business side because if you're not bringing in money like creatives are all about I want to make my next project I want to make my next project I want to make my next project and they get so frustrated with well this isn't exactly how I envisioned it well the truth is until you have that name like until you're Tim Burton or you know Spielberg or one of those guys, you don't get as many decisions. You can't make as many decisions because when you do and it fails, you're not going to make that second film. You're done. Yeah, yeah. And it's well, like with, with what you're. Yeah, go yeah, on. Continue. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just say is uh, um, with what you're saying is I, I completely agree. Is is you know I, I do think a lot of times the the business uh, disregards the creative, and I don't think that's the answer either. You know. Yeah. Um, unique creative stories uh 
you know, sell, you know, sell, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it can't be the same formula over and over again. That doesn't work. It needs to be something continually building and getting more unique and more different and, and kind of staying within those lines of, you know, somewhat manageable, like something somewhat relatable with yeah. something new added, you know, not completely, you know, out of left field. That doesn't usually always, you know, that doesn't usually work, but in this, in, in the same regard. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times there's, uh, directors or writers and, you know, not, not uh, uh, I, I get it. Like, you know, you have a vision, uh, but you want to make this film that, you know, is going to cost $20 million and this is your first time out. You know, this is your first feature you're making. And yep, that's probably not the best place to start. You know, even if you were to raise those funds and get the, get that amount of money, the amount of liability you just put on yourself is massive and you have nothing to fall back on. So if that film was a failure, if, if you lost, you know, $15 million off of that, you know, that's what people are going to remember you for. And they can't look back at your, you know, your library of films that you've done before and say, well, let's give them another chance because you can do, you know, X, Y, and Z. I actually highly suggest people, you know, if you're a creative writer, director, whatever, start with something small and manageable. Yep. Start with something you can do today. If you have that dream project, maybe save it. Yeah, there's, absolutely. There's plenty of time. There's plenty of time. And there's plenty of demand. Like there's a television in everybody's pocket now, you know? So there's plenty of demand. You will get a chance to make that if you do your first project right, if you do your second project right. You know, if, if you take the steps, you will get a chance to make that. But you have to take the, you know, small steps first, you know, you know, be trusted with, you know, a smaller thing in order to be trusted with a bigger thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree on that because it's like, uh, I mean, you know, my wife's a writer and she, you know, she has her passion projects, but she puts those away into a vault until until it's time for them to come out. Right. And in the meantime, she makes scripts that are geared towards low budget on high demand subjects. Because when you have that with an investor, first of all, if an investor is making a low, uh, low investment on your first project, you're not that high of a risk anyways. It's not like, you know, you're, you're, you're costing them their bank account. Right, right. Yeah, if you fail, it's it's not it, it's not the end of the world, you know. Yeah. Uh, if, if it's like tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know. Yeah. Uh, but if you fail with millions, that's a different story. You're answering to a lot more people. You're giving them the chance to test the waters with you. You're giving them the chance to earn your trust, yep. and that I think that's super, super, super important. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And like just thinking about like thinking about that too. So like we know that the return on investment super important. As I was mentioning earlier, it's like creating the best product at the lowest cost for the highest ROI. Like I know that you've you've been big and like you've done some line producing. You've you've been big on strategic budgeting and figuring out ways to cut the cost without pulling away from the value or the quality of the product. And so, just based on your knowledge and what you've experienced and done in your past, what are some things you've done or you would recommend do in order to achieve? the lowest budget possible on people's projects. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, quite a few things you can do. You know, kind of what I was mentioning earlier is everybody wants, you know, everything, mm -hmm. everything to be blockbuster quality. And that's not going to happen, you know? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you, you you can't get DiCaprio, uh, you know, have uh, your Aerie 65, uh, you know, have Deacon's lighting and, you know, do all these things, uh, you know, on $2 million or a million dollars, you know, or $100,000. It's just not going to happen. Nope. Um, you have to be practical, you know. You know, I think the first thing, I think it starts off with working with your writer or if you are the writer, you know, thinking about this, you know, 
you know, what are locations, you know, what are, you know, uh, what, what, what do you have available to you? You know, and then think about the unique things that you have available to you and start with there, you know, there as well, you know, not just the normal things like I have an apartment, I have, you know, a car, this, that, the other. Think of the unique things like, oh, uh, you know, you, you you might have a very unique car, you know, put that into the script or something like that. Yeah. Um, so you can add value without adding, you know, tons of cost, you know, but even beyond that, you know, kind of what I was saying is with, with the with starting with a storyline, you, you really, you really need to. You know, I'm kind of hesitating saying this because uh, there's always outliers do this, but have a character-driven, you know, storyline. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you know, uh, you know, I brought up Napoleon Dynamite before. We we did a whole case study on that. Yeah. But we're talking about like that film basically had actors who had never worked before, and it worked because it was character-driven. Even if it was a humorous annoying character it was character driven it was characters you remembered you related with you you know you might have grown up with right Mm -hmm. i would say you know starting with a character driven story that isn't as reliant on a large explosion or you know isn't dependent on you know (laughs) you know tons of visual effects or prosthetics or things like that uh you're probably gonna go a lot further you know and then you can focus on just you know casting the right person for the job versus you know, trying to figure out how to blow up a semi, you know, for $2,000 <laughs> um, legally. Um, you know, so I would say everything everything starts with a script. You know, make sure you're selecting the right script for the right time. If you're not willing to make compromises in that script, maybe it's for later. You know, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe that's not the film for now. And that's an okay answer. There's trillions of ideas out there. You know, you can, you can keep creating stories. You're not going to run out. So, you know, set that one aside and do that one later. If you are willing to make compromises, figure out with those compromises, with everything that you're shrinking, what are you increasing? You know, if you're shrinking uh, visual effects, how are you increasing the character dynamics? Mm-hmm. If you know, if you're if you're shrinking uh, uh, explosions and uh, uh, or locations, you know, because you had way too many locations, you know, how are you increasing the humor, the 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 relationships, the uniqueness of the film you know i think you know in shrinking things you need to figure out how you're you're increasing things that may not cost as much you know to make it stand out yeah in addition to that when you're shrinking things too asking yourself is shrinking this gonna cause the quality of like let's say the look or the atmosphere is is it gonna cause it to go down or can i maintain the quality in taking this out yeah, and that's a slippery slope too. And I agree, I agree with you. I, I, yeah. I, I it's weird. I, I weirdly completely agree with you and slightly disagree with you at the same time. <laughs> that's fine. And, and it's not. It's it's not actually what you're saying. It's it's the it's a slippery slope that happens with that. So this is not any, something that anybody wants to hear. But you you basically have to have like a point of no return. You know, at what point does the market? You know, the potential market you have and the distribution methods that you will most likely get. You know, mm-hmm. you know, when you take that, you know, end box office, which, you know, you boil down to profit, at what point does the profit shrink exponentially? At what point does it dip below, a, you know, a, a uh, you know, a profiting film? Or a good way to look at it is, you know, on the reverse side of that is what things are you adding that bring diminishing returns? You know? Yeah. Yep. You know, does the camera, does the lenses, does that, you know you know, that 2K light that you're using, does the multiple locations, you know, you know, are are they bringing back mass returns or diminishing returns? When you're talking about a, a small micro-budget film or an ultra-low-budget film or, mm-hmm. you know, even a low-budget film, you have to think about, you know, every, you have to take every scene and say, 
you know, are the pieces of the scene adding to the ROI or taking away from it? Yeah. Uh, and if they are taking away from it, you know, if it's a $10,000, you know, you know, location, is it going to be taking $10,000 away from the uh, return? Is it going to be taking $20,000 away from the return? Mm-hmm. Those are the things you kind of have to think about. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like, I mean, more where, like where I was coming from, for example, it's like, you know, if you're going to do a sci-fi, let's say, and you're on super low budget and you realize your wardrobe looks rough, like the best wardrobe you can come up with on your budget is just, you know, it's rough. But then you can stop and ask yourself, it, that doesn't necessarily mean don't do it yet. Because if you're, like, let's say you're doing a sci-fi comedy naturally, and you can play to that and turn that weakness into a strength of the film, then I'd say go for it. But if it's, if like what you said, if it's going to diminish the return so much that you can't profit on this film, then the best thing in that in that case is save it for later, come back, be patient, and bring it back out when it's ready to be done right. Right, right. And 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 that's like that's where the debate has to come in, where the creative and the business have to come together and really wrestle over things. Guys, mm-hmm. be willing to wrestle. You know, be re- willing to talk to your producers. Be willing to talk to your line producers. Uh, and line producers be willing to talk to creatives and wrestle. Uh, you know, it's not coming in saying I'm right. It's coming in saying here's the problems. Here are my potential solutions. What do you have to solve this? Yeah. And it's working together. You know, uh, I would say business and creative, especially on smaller projects, have to work very hand in hand. They they have to solve problems together. And, you know, I mean, that also might inform who you work with. You know, if you guys aren't able to kind of, you know, debate and wrestle and solve problems together, then probably, you know, maybe it's the wrong team. Yeah. I would say, you know, the team is a big part of that, to be honest. True. And yeah, I I would say, I would say, you know, kind of come into this thinking about, you know, we all have the same goals here. We all want to see more people watch this film. Mm -hmm. So these are the things we have to do to do that. Yep, exactly. No, I agree. And then, uh, you know, I think, like we said, having those debates is good and healthy because someone might see something with what your idea is that, or might have an extra idea that you hadn't thought of that makes all the difference in the world. Like maybe you have this idea that you think will work, and then all of a sudden they point out, wait a second, here's something that you may, have, may not have considered. And having those debates, it's a good way to be able to look at all the angles because I, I feel ultimately your goal is to make the investment in your film as safe as possible and to reach the biggest or, you know, the broadest audience possible or, you know, the right audience. Maybe it's not a broad audience. Maybe it is narrow. Right. But uh, reaching that right audience. And, you know, it's, you know, coming coming in this from, you know, you know, starting with the script and then working your way up. This is really hard, but like I totally get writers put like their heart and soul into a, a story and it becomes their baby. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it is it is words on a page. And I believe that if you are creative, if you are creative enough to make that excellent script, you're creative creative enough to work with the team and solve those problems. There's words on a page. That is the point to change things uh, versus when it's in the editing room or you know when you're on set, you know, filming. That's when it costs a lot more. It's so much cheaper to change it when it's just, you know, in Final Cut, you know, in you know, you know, in uh, in your your script writing software. Then, you know, later 
when you're in the editing room and you've already shot all the all the stuff and you're realizing crap we don't have the we don't have the money to put into those visual effects we don't have the money to to you know blow up that car we don't have the money to have that you know 10th location yeah um oh no we need to add yeah we need to add a scene in order to make this whole section make sense we don't have the money right, you know exactly <laughs> Exactly. It's it's much easier to do that when it's words on a page. And writers, you'll be so much happier if you're involved in that process than when it's on the cutting room floor. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, it's like like my wife being a writer, like one thing she has to look at when, when it comes down to the editing is like she struggles, for example, taking offense to people hurting her, her writing and her ability. Right. But knowing that the, the real question is, is this altering the message of the film? Right. Or is this just a technicality? Yeah, that's a great point. Because that's a great point. Maybe for another another podcast, we can go deeper into this. But like I always tell people, uh, when you're you know making a movie, come up with a, a mission statement and core values right when you start writing the script. As weird as it sounds, just like you would do for a business, mm-hmm. because then you can determine, you know, you know does does this hurt the mission statement? Does this hurt the core values of what I'm trying to do of this 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 creation I'm trying to make? You know, it's much easier to edit that way. When you realize, hey, the these are my goals with this film, you know, then then uh, yeah, you know, not having that in mind and kind of getting hurt over everything, it's it's much better to focus in on you know what actually matters. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we're pretty much out of time uh, for today. Yeah. Thank you again for chatting. Hey, no problem. Awesome, awesome. And for everyone, all the listeners out there, again, I always ask people. Please comment. We would love to talk to you about the subject. If you have any further ideas or advice or comments that you want to make, please reach out. And if you like our show, please subscribe. We love engaging our audience. So thank you all again. Just to add to that real fast is like we, we're very aware that some of you guys will have better ideas than us. I mean, we were talking about collaboration earlier today. So we would love to hear your ideas. Uh, yeah. Uh, we would love to have follow-up uh, uh, podcasts that add to this. We're very open to new strategies, new ideas, uh, new viewpoints, you know? So yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, if you have a great idea and you share it, maybe we can bring it on a a future show as well. So that would be awesome. Thank you all for listening. Again, Cinebiz Real Talk has been created and brought to you by Top Sheet Inc. We are an automated payroll and production solution. We have apps and online software to help make film better. If you have any questions, please go to topsheet.io and jump into our chat. We're here to help. Everyone stay safe and we'll talk to you soon.